surgeons keep our hearts beating. They do the amazing, help save lives, and so can you. Your CSL Plasma donation can help create 24 critical life-saving medicines that can give Grandpa the chance for his heart to swell when he meets his new grandson or give a bride the chance for her heart to skip a beat on her wedding day. Every plasma donation helps more than you know. Do the amazing. Help save lives. Donate today at your local CSL Plasma Center and be rewarded for your generosity. Hello and welcome to Let's Talk About It. This is Taylor, your host, and I'm so, so, so excited to have you here today for an exciting episode. Today, we're going to be getting into sex work. We're going to be talking about OnlyFans a little bit, and I'm so grateful to have a platform like this where I can talk about these things and not feel concerned about backlash or about censorship. As many of y'all know, I've kind of taken a little bit of a step back from talking about a lot of this stuff on Instagram because of the guidelines there, which we will touch on in today's episode as well. Today's guest is a longtime favorite of mine, wonderful human. So let's kind of get into it, y'all. As many of y'all know, we had some big news last week uh, around OnlyFans. And for those of you who are not super familiar, I will read quickly through the email that was sent out. Uh, There have been some changes since this episode was recorded. So uh, at the time of this recording, the first email was sent out, not the second one. So let's get into the first email that was sent uh, by OnlyFans. So... It basically said, um, this email is to notify you of changes to our acceptable use policy that will go live effective October 1st, 2021. The new policy will prohibit the posting of any new content containing sexually explicit conduct. Content containing nudity will continue to be allowed as long as it is consistent with the policy. Okay. Existing content that does not meet the standards of the new policy will need to be removed before December 1st, 2021. Our intention is for the policy to be implemented in accordance with the above dates, but we may need to change one or more of the dates as circumstances may require. Why does the policy have to change? Due to the size and rapid growth of the OnlyFans platform, because of sex workers, Sorry, where creators have earned over $5 billion since inception, we must increasingly rely on large banking institutions and payment processors like MasterCard, to facilitate payments between fans and creators. The new rules are necessary to comply with the requirements of these financial institutions and are the only way to help ensure the long-term sustainability of OnlyFans. OnlyFans was founded as a diverse and inclusive home for all content creators, and we stand by our commitment to that mission. We will continue to support and guide all creators through these necessary changes, making sure that all creators have a home on our platform. We look forward to provi- we look forward to continuing to provide an innovative platform for our diverse creator community. So, when we talk about OnlyFans in this episode, that's the email we're going off of, <laughs> and uh, as we will get into, uh, it is not a smart move, and in fact would put many folks working in the sex industry uh, at harm, at risk, losing their main source of income. Um, all kinds of things. So thankfully, literally two days after that episode was recorded, uh, OnlyFans sent out a second email. This says, our acceptable use policy will remain the same and may be found at OnlyFans.com slash terms. The proposed October 1st, 2021 changes are no longer required due to banking partners' assurances that OnlyFans can support all genres of creators. OnlyFans is committed to providing a safe and dependable platform for all creators and their fans. So... They realized that they were about to fuck up big time. They were not only about to fuck up their reputation, but they were about to fuck up their money as well. Um, A lot of creators were jumping ship to figure out other means of income, um, which again, we will touch on a little bit in this episode. Um, But it's... Maybe more on on that piece a little bit later, but I do want to introduce you to our lovely guest today. Uh, I've been wanting to have her on the podcast for over a year now, so very, very excited that this was able to finally pan out. So 
today we are talking with Elle Stanger and I'm so, so freaking excited. She is stripper writer on Instagram. If you don't follow her there already, I highly recommend that you do. She is a certified sex educator, a writer, a parent, an entertainer. She's a podcaster as well. Uh, she's been working in the sex industry um, as a stripper and then doing cam work. Uh, she's also based in Portland, so um, Pacific Northwest vibes over here. But yeah, just definitely recommend checking her out. And she provides a lot of different resources and writes on all kinds of topics, even outside, and has spoken a lot about mental health, which is a whole other episode we could do with her. Um, she's very, very vulnerable on her platform and highly recommend y'all giving her a follow. So with all of that said and out of the way, let's talk about it. Welcome, Elle, to the show. Thank you so much for taking the time, for taking the energy, for taking the space to come on the podcast and have this conversation with me today. Thank you so much for having me, Taylor. Um, Some of my regular listeners will be like, wow, is that Elle? Something wrong with their voice. (laughs) Um, So I indulged in a lot of weed and deep throating this last weekend. No, it's not the Rona, I hope. I don't think so. Uh, But yes, nice to meet you, folks. uh, You can hear more of me all around. We'll talk about that later. Yes, yeah. Well, so the deep throating and the weed over the weekend, is that work or is that pleasure? And sometimes work can be pleasure too, I suppose. True, very true. Um, so I haven't done any full service type work since early March of 2020. Um, my beloved longtime partner, uh, best friend, porn making companion died by suicide February of 2021 this year. Mm -hmm. So my cannabis consumption has skyrocketed and it was pretty steady throughout the last year and a half, four years anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never smoked a cigarette, but I smoke weed and I struggle with alcoholism. So mm-hmm. I was dry for a couple of years after Brian, my partner died. I'm like, all right, I'm either going to hurt myself in other ways, or I can just burn mm-hmm. the heck out of my throat. <laughs> mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, it was pleasure. And then I am starting to date again, which grief and sexuality is a whole new universe I'm exploring. Yes. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. God. Yeah. Have you ever lost a partner? I have not lost a partner, but I have lost other folks in my life Mm -hmm. and where I have definitely found like using sexuality as an escape to cope with the grief Mm -hmm. felt very great. Yes. Yeah. So yes, it was pleasure. Thank you for asking. Well, good. I'm glad that you are like engaging and allowing yourself to soothe with pleasure because I think there sometimes there's a lot of shame around that and a lot of like uh, pressure around like how we cope with things perfectly. And I love the almost kind of like harm reduction approach that you're taking to it of checking in with yourself. Oh my gosh. Thank you for noticing. And this is a really nice way to open this episode because I think the, the reason I'm sharing all of this is I want listeners to understand like mommy is stressed. I am stressed and struggling and a lot of folks are, but what I think we're going to talk about today is some of the attacks on consensual porn making and sex work, Mm -hmm. which is ruining people's lives during a pandemic, during all our kinds of recession and Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I would love to share a little bit of kind of how we got connected and a bit of what the work is that you do, because I don't remember actually how I even found you, but I've been following you for a long time and just loved all of the content that you put out. And was just like, I love how you show up really authentically and you allow yourself to like be really vulnerable on Instagram. Like I feel like for most people with, you know, like significant followings, it tends to get a little... um surface level and, you know, to each their own, but it is so refreshing when I see people actually like lean into their vulnerability and into their struggles and whatnot. Um, and like also being confident and making fucking points and you make a ton of fucking points. You know, Uh, thank you. I feel the same about you actually. Um, you were the first other person I saw who posted a video of yourself crying with, mm -hmm. I think the purpose of like normalizing it. 
Yeah. Yeah. And some people I know just really love it. And some people really don't like that. Yeah. 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 So you wait through feelings it as well. Are hard. Yeah. <laughs> feelings are hard and we get uncomfortable when other people share them sometimes. Certain feelings. Yeah. yeah. Yes, absolutely. Well, I would love for you to share just a little bit of kind of how you got into doing this kind of work and what exactly it is the kind of work that you do for folks who don't follow you and don't know you. Yeah. So I am busy. I have a lot of energy. Um, Mm -hmm. I have been published nude as a model slash model blogger. Please don't call me a blogger these days. (laughs) I know. When you said blogger, I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah. So when I started on the internet in 2005, um, my first nude photo set published uh, on a website I don't promote anymore. August 22nd, I believe, 2005. And so living online in the public eye, I started that way. I worked in um, adult stores as a clerk and then a buyer and a manager for uh, two different shops for years. So I was just fascinated with sexuality mm-hmm. all the time. I started stripping, working as a stripper, fully nude with alcohol in the venues and gambling and food. Portland's Mm -hmm. great for that. In June of 2009, um, I began dabbling in live webcam, um, selling Mm -hmm. underwear, socks, um, probably around 2013, 14. I started making my own porn in, I believe it was 2017 with Brian. I have mm-hmm. made some porn with um, Valentine. She is known in the industry. Um, she's a great... If you Google femme daddy, you'll see a picture mm-hmm. of Valentine. She's a black okay. femme. She's glorious. Yeah, look her up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a, another person that I worked with that uh, is no longer in the industry, so I won't name them. So I have had just a little bit of experience in um, porn making. I want to expand on that, but most of my work has been stripping, webcam, Um, private content making. And I started dabbling in full service. November 2015, I think was my first client because it Mm -hmm. was the same day, November 4th. It was the same day as my dad's 60th birthday. And my client Mm -hmm. was 60 also that day. And I was like, (laughs) (laughs) I was like, way to monetize those daddy issues. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my father and I still talk. He has terrible politics and he's in very bad health. So moral mm-hmm. of the story, don't be a hateful Republican because no one will talk to you when you're... Anyway. Yeah. Somewhere... Yeah. <laughs> See what I mean? Yeah. About talking, sharing publicly. Um, yes. And I might have forgotten a couple other things. I've done so many different kinds of sex work. I'm just... Mm-hmm. I just fell in love with the stories and the people and the things that surprise me and the tenderness and um, mm-hmm. the potential to make more money than I could at any other hourly job I'd ever had. I didn't mention yeah. my my vanilla conventional jobs. I've worked in a pharmacy. I worked in the mall, Hot Topic, Spencers, because a lot of places aren't going to hire yeah. you if you look like me. Um, yeah. Um, Lots of tats. A, yeah. lot of, a lot of people do not want to hire the tattoos. And that's fine. I put these on me. So yeah. I don't I don't decry discrimination because I did this to myself. Um but so I, I've worked in like mainstream stuff too. I volunteered in a nursing facility when I was in high school. And so to see people near end of life, um, mm-hmm. that really changed my perspective a lot on things. So I guess to say I do a lot of things. I decided I wanted to formally study sexuality five or so years ago. I went through mm-hmm. a program, um, Institute for Sexuality, Com. I really love Dr. Roz DeShavo. If you ever get to meet her, she's been really a huge part of my learning process. Um, and then I became an ASEX certified sex educator a couple months ago. Um, mm, congrats. That's, a, that's a whole process. You know it. Yeah. And I was really curious if they would certify me because of my erotic work. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, that's been something within my PhD program with like other classmates where I've kind of had to honestly be a little disappointed and push a lot on professionals in the fields and how they engage with, how they actually support um, folks who are not only professionals, but who also want to actually be in sex work themselves. Mm -hmm. And that stigma around people being both is like, well, we're not that. We don't want people to think that we are this and get it confused. And it's like, 
Uh, actually, it seems like it's a lot less of like not wanting to confuse people because you can set some pretty fucking clear boundaries, mm-hmm. but it's more the association that like you don't want to be perceived as that. That's so the horophobia. Like we're academics, yeah. not whores. Yeah. Why not yeah, both? I'm like, but why, yeah, why can't <laughs> I like to whore it up and be smart? <laughs> like, Dr. Nina Hartley, everyone. She's fabulous. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I do a lot of things. I, um, I do not have an OnlyFans. <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm. We will probably talk a little bit about OnlyFans today. Yes. I have worked on my free, cra- my free cams briefly. I enjoy working on camsoda.com. I have a mm-hmm. sexed panther account. So I love sexting truth or dare with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of my clients on there tend to be subs, cucks, mm-hmm. or bi-curious men. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a lot of um, pegging interest in there yeah. as well. So I think I'm like cultivating this like mommy dom personality. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. All right, y'all. We're going to take a short break right here because I just got to do a little check-in. Okay. Have we ate today? Have we had a full meal yet? Have we had whole foods because this is a question I got to ask myself every day. Have I nourished my body yet? And with so many things going on, it's been kind of hard to keep on top of that when like there's a lot happening and I need things that are just quick and ready to go for me, but that I also don't have to like sacrifice it and like be eating, you know, fast food all the time. Uh, There's only one fast food spot I'll go to here, but thankfully I've had to do that a lot less because I've been using Saqqara. And if y'all remember, I've shared them in the past and they are like, I felt so fancy, y'all. Let me tell you. I was like, wow, this is the nicest, like organic, like delicious, ready to eat meals that like just powerful plant-based ingredients and helped with my energy, helped with my mood and my digestion. And I was just like, okay, I'm ready to go. I got to get another one because I just ran out and it is so freaking good. They offer, they also, in addition, like they do these meals and they're delivered to your door and they're like chef crafted. It's breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It's literally like scheduled out for the whole week for you. It's delivered fresh. And it literally even has like the day that it's delivered to you, there's a sticker on it where it literally says like, this is, it was packaged the same freaking day. I don't know how they do it, but I so appreciate it. (laughs) So I'm really, really happy to share them with y'all along with delicious plant-rich meals. Sakara also offers daily wellness essentials like supplements and herbal teas all to help support your nutrition because we got to stay nutritized, nutritioned, we gotta say nourished, y'all. <laughs> and you can experience their best selling. Um, they have these metabolism powders that you can check out. Uh, just definitely recommend giving them a little a little gander. Uh, and right now, Sakara is offering our listeners twenty percent off their first first order when they go to sakara.com slash Taylor and enter the code Taylor at checkout. That's Sakara S A K A R A dot com slash Taylor to get twenty percent off your first order. Which like these are some fancy ass meals, y'all. I don't know if I'm allowed to say ass on here, but it is seriously so so good. Um, I can't wait to order my next one and I really, really hope y'all check them out again at sakara.com slash Taylor spread the word and we can get back to the show. Well, so to rewind a little bit here, when you first, I mean, you grew up in Portland. No, I grew up in a rural San Diego area. I moved to Portland in 2008. I worked in the porn shop, one of them for a year. And then I auditioned. I lost, uh, I got fired from my first job ever. And it was one of the porn shops. My manager um, Hmm. cussed me out in an email, like all caps. And I was an assistant manager. And I thought the right thing to do was to respond professionally and in person. So I said to him in person, like, I would appreciate you and talk to me like that. And he said, well, if you don't like it next time, I'll just fire you. And he fired me a week later, said I was stealing money. I've never stolen money from any, well, I've never stolen money. I just used to steal shit from Walmart when I was a kid. But I've yeah, never sold yeah. money. I was so upset. But the economy was terrible. That was when I started stripping because I looked around and everywhere I went to, to hire me, they were like, maybe we'll have something part-time, minimum wage mm-hmm. in like six months. Like yeah. I'm supporting me and my 
um, my young husband at the time was going to esthetician school and working full time at mm. a coffee shop. Like there was no way I wasn't going to work. So, yeah. so I'm like, okay, I'm 22. I, um, cute. I've had men hitting on me my whole life. Mm-hmm. Maybe I can try to monetize it this way. And so I looked around and found the least creepy, um, venue. They were all very intimidating to me. Yeah. But I'm like, I think this one feels comfortable. And I worked there for 11 years and six or seven other clubs in Portland. Yeah. And going into that experience, I mean, like you had been, I'm assuming in strip clubs prior to that, you had... Twice. Okay. Twice. And I was led by other people, my friend who had been a stripper for like a decade. She's like, this Mm -hmm. is how you tip. Um, She would like point out things to look for. She's like, that girl's doing really well. That's her customer over there. That girl's Mm. drunk. Um, Mm -hmm. And I just remember thinking, I could never do this. Yeah. I'm like, they're so graceful. Could never do that. And then, yeah. And then I lost my job and I'm like, fuck, I think I have to try to do this. Yeah. Yeah. And it was good. I worked, I worked for, it was probably about six months in Baltimore when I was um, in my master's program at the Hustler Club. Wow. Um, I didn't know but that. I worked, <laughs> yeah. You worked as a stripper. I, I, well, so I wasn't a stripper. I worked as a promo girl okay. in the club. Okay. Um, every time, you know, we would go in to like get our cards and stuff and like check in and all of that. Every time I went in, it was always like, you know, oh, like, do you do rooms or like people trying to, you know, buy your pay time, me and do, mm-hmm. buy my time. And um, there were so many times where I was like, can I do this? Should I do this? Um, <laughs> and part of me wanted to. And the other part of me, I mean, just like watching the girls up there, like I have no upper body strength. I have metal rods in my back from my neck down to my butt. So I'm like really really fucking straight. Like I cannot, like when you're on the pole and you like, you know, like dip down and you're like bending over and stuff, like I can't do any of that. So I just immediately disqualified myself of like, I can't move my body like that. So people aren't going to tip me and I'm just going to look like really awkward and stiff up there. And I know there's like other ways, obviously I could do yeah. it, but, but you were worried it was about just your mobility. So in- yeah. 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 And it was like very intimidating because I was like, oh my God, like they are very strong and very skilled. And also it's like, could I do that? The question is, well, what do you do? What do you do in VIP? Yeah. How do you entertain someone yeah. for half an hour? And they're allowed mm-hmm. to touch you and where are they allowed to touch you? And how do you mediate yeah. that? And how do you mitigate that? And how do you keep it fun? You know? And like, this is why it's work. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of, I mean, you're like really on alert. Like I, I always pictured it as like when you're on a date with someone and like, you're really not feeling it, but like, you feel like you have to engage in a way mm-hmm. of like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to be kind of alert and on like that and also be making sure that this person is going to want to pay you. I understand why people do cocaine. I've never done Coke. Um, this is like another mm-hmm. way that I'm like a weirdo square. I've never smoked a cigarette, never done blow. I drink yeah. and I smoke weed, but I like, I get it because you, it's so hard. I'm like driving myself to the club last night and I, it, I have to remind myself, it's always fine. Um, mm-hmm. No shift is going to like make or break my life, but it's mm-hmm. like, what am I going to deal with today? You know, it, mm-hmm. is it going to be like a wonderful, warm, heart opening conversation with like a special needs teacher man who's going through mm-hmm. a divorce, who wants to pay me and like not be a dickhead? <clears throat> or is it going to be like someone slapped my ass yeah. And it's a woman and then she like refuses to tip me. You know, like I could be disappointed yeah. in so many ways or yes. not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I'm wondering how you when you get into that like and I guess maybe it depends on how you've been raised, right? If you were raised like really sex positive, really sex negative, like I feel like for my assumption here is that for a lot of sex workers getting into it, that you have to kind of unpack a lot of sexual shame around doing sex work as you're doing it. And some people don't have the support or the skills or the tools or the knowledge or the framework mm-hmm. to do that. And so the way yeah. the way I believe this shows up, and I recognize my privilege where, yes, I have traumas. I do not have severe tra- specific traumas that or other people do. The stuff mm-hmm. I've heard and you as a therapist, I'm sure I'm like, damn, I didn't go through that. So, but the way that it can show up is I remember being in the dressing room, getting ready 
And so like sex workers that have disdain for clients because they are clients, I believe this comes from a place of trauma and repeated negative interactions. Mm -hmm. And I hear that and I feel that. So I'm in the dressing room. I said something about a customer who was acting up in a negative way. And uh, one of the other strippers, she said, well, of course he's a piece of shit. He's in here. And I just thought like, fuck man. So how does that color all of your interactions when you have like bad faith expectations? Um, Mm -hmm. I'm a firm believer that a lot of harm and conflict comes from miscommunication or misunderstanding or anxiety. So like when, Mm -hmm. when we have sex and people are like nervous to perform, they might like slap you and it hurts and it scares you. They're not trying to hurt and scare Mm -hmm. you perhaps trying to like impress you or impress themselves. Customers that go and like reach for my throat. I've had it so many times where only once did I actually think like, no, I'm sorry, twice. Only twice have I actually thought like, okay, fuck, I might have to fight for my life. The other times they think they're being kinky and playful and they don't understand Mm -hmm. it could be a trigger, you know? So Mm -hmm. how I show up and my compassion and my love and my patience for the clients and people in their own ignorance and shame is because I do like enough of what I do. I don't have enough trauma to destabilize me or color Mm -hmm. my feelings. And I also have been fortunate enough to cultivate enough loving, fulfilling, trusting relationships with men, clients, you know, Mm -hmm. um, Yeah. So I I really, really try to have compassion for all people's experience. And if they do sex work and it was an awful experience for them, that's legitimate. It Mm -hmm. it is not empowering inherently. No work is, I believe. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So yeah. yeah, Thank you for hosting these big conversations. I'm getting to cover a lot. (laughs) Yeah, there. Well, there. Honestly, I feel like this. We could do like a four-part series on this topic, um, but make it eight. <laughs> yes, eight. Um, but the, I mean, I hope that part of what people take away from that is that. Even in being a sex worker, you are in a lot of ways an educator as well because your clients are not always informed as to how to engage. And this is also, you know, you kind of brought up here the stigma around like clients of sex workers. And there's a lot of stigma on that, you know, like if someone's partner is, uh, you know, engaging in time on a, with a, someone doing cam work, right. Or goes to a club that there's all these assumptions and shame put on that person as to like how they're so fucking gross and they're so disgusting and that they would even engage in that. Um, but so mm-hmm. in that experience, actually, which I think is a really great thing is that people can, become educated in some ways around things like boundaries, which I know you do a lot of work with um, helping teach people boundaries because mm-hmm. that's like hella crucial. Yeah. And boundaries are hard. Formally and informally. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Paying for touch, sexual touch does not make someone inherently abusive. And when civilians, civilians are people outside of sex work and that includes clients. When civilians, clients, sex workers, have or feel disdain for the buyer, it also punches down on the provider. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, and we're so quick to judge. Um, I, yeah. I had, I had, I had a client who uh, he said, you know, in 32 years. So he had just told his wife that he goes to strip clubs. They'd been married 32 mm-hmm. years. She was very, very mad. Yeah, and he said, in 32 years, she's never given me a blowjob. And I was like, are you going down on her? And he's like, yes. And I'm like, okay. So first of all, wow. Like I would never, but (laughs) like, I was like, why are you still married? He's like, I love her. I'm just not getting my needs met. So I've Mm -hmm. gone out because I want to feel desired. Yeah. You know, so we're really quick to judge why people do the things they do or something else that a lot of people don't think about is disability rights intersects with sex Mm -hmm. worker rights a lot because a lot of sex workers are dealing with different disabilities, whether it's like autism or physical. Uh, One of my closest friends, she says all the time, she's like my autism, the way her stuff shows up, the way she is. She's like, I can't do a nine to five. I like, Mm -hmm. I need to be able to show up when I can show up, dress as quirky as I want to be, say random shit, 
People think it's funny. Mm -hmm. I cultivate other autistic clients. I also find this true for myself. I had a basic screening a few months ago and it answered a lot of questions. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, or people that are like, I don't want to date because I don't have the energy for it. And also transactional just feels safer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. I've had a few conversations actually recently with uh, men in my life about that, about just feeling drained from having to engage emotionally in order to have sexual needs met and preferring that transactional experience that it's simpler and um, allows them to actually have a focus on their pleasure. Um, But honestly, one of the things that I love about you too is that you do talk a lot about mental health and like you're really open about that. Um, One of the questions that people submitted when I said we were going to record together, um, which was interesting. Um, There's a few here that I want to ask you. Mm -hmm. So someone said, how to know if I'm ready to do sex work or if it would destroy my mental health. I really need the money. You really don't know until you try. Yeah. And I was going to say, that's kind of how I felt. (laughs) Yeah. You really, really don't know with anything until you try. Can I do this? And then it's, can I continue to do this? Because I have Mm -hmm. worked with people who their work is re-traumatizing them over and over and over again. And it's hard on them and it's hard on the people who work with them and it's hard on the clients. Mm -hmm. I've seen it. I remember I've been a stripper for 12 years at this point, like, and not just a Mm -hmm. dabbler. I've worked three to five times a week for 12 years. So, and then with myself, okay. I had a sit down meeting with um, a booking agent and a bouncer at one of my old clubs where they were like, Oh, we love you, but we can tell when you're hyper-focusing on problematic customers and then you verbally Mm -hmm. engage with them and it starts a conflict. It looks like you're hunting. And I'm like, oh my Mm -hmm. God, I'm so burnt out and I'm so pissed off. You're right. That is what I'm doing. I'm focusing on the bad because that's all I'm seeing because I'm triggered all the time. So Mm -hmm. there's definitely, no matter what you're doing, like how are you going to manage your burnout? What Mm -hmm. are your triggers? Do your triggers change? Yeah. So I Well, that sounds like you have great. I'm so glad that they were able to like point that out in like such a loving way. Like that's amazing. You know, really like the venues that all, if the people take care of each other and want everyone to be comfortable and safe, they're going Mm -hmm. to be better sustained because it creates a more positive environment and the customers can tell. Mm -hmm. And then everyone's going to make more money and be safer. So we have to hold these venues in high esteem. Right. And that's why I started talking Mm -hmm. about the sex work stuff because I saw what it did for me, how it could nurture me, how I could actually support myself, go to the grocery Mm -hmm. store and not look if I could have for this loaf of bread. I just want that loaf of bread. I can buy it. Um, And again, many sex workers don't make a buttload of money. A lot of people Mm -hmm. are just getting by because the economy is bad. People steal content. People don't tip. Mm -hmm. You got someone bragging on Reddit about making a million dollars in 24 hours. And then people think that all porn creators do that. I... I saw, well, my manager saw a thing on Reddit that said I was making $19,000 a month on OnlyFans. You? Oh my God. I said, something. I said who, who's, who's making $19,000 on OnlyFans? That is not me. I saw something on one of those clickbait like fan sites about myself where it said something exorbitant. And I remember going to the dressing room that night and I was like, girls, Guess how much money the internet says I make. Do you think I would be here on a Tuesday fucking night if that was the case? Oh my God. People believe yeah. this stuff. I know. Yeah. Well, people did. There There were several questions um, of wanting to know the average income from OnlyFans and wanting to know how much people can make as sex workers. Um, and I think, I mean, OnlyFans, which maybe we get into this a little now, um, they take 20% of anything you make. And for me, stepping into sex work, um, I consult with someone who's been in the in the industry for a while. And so I give her a portion of what I make. Mm-hmm. Then I also uh, have to pay taxes on that as someone who's self-employed. So really, at the end of the day, if I make $100 on something, I'm really making, what is the math? That's 80, that's... 
75. It's like maybe I'm making 50% of what I get. Mm-hmm. So, what, I mean, I ask people, you know, okay, is $500 a month a lot of money? Because that's what a lot of my friends make on OnlyFans or less. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah. People have multiple jobs. Creating content takes time. Um, mm-hmm. if, if nobody's ever like exfoliated and waxed or shaved their entire body before showing up to a shift where you hope people pay you. Like I've said it before. I'm like, I shaved my pussy for no reason today. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. the club that I worked at last night, if I sell a half hour for $250, which is great. If I, mm-hmm. you know, someone to make $200 in a six hour shift, that's way more money than a lot of people make. So mm-hmm. if I sell 250, 50 immediately goes to the house. My stage fee is 15 on top of that. You're expected to tip the bouncer and the DJ who are protecting you and playing your music. Um, Everything I wear costs money. So, and a lot of sex workers are encouraged because of capitalism to perform affluence. So a lot of people, I'm not going to out any of my friends, but there are so many of my beautiful, sexy, brilliant friends that look online like they live really lavish lifestyles. They are struggling. Mm-hmm. They don't have dental, you know, they need to go get yeah. dog food. Like rent is due. So mm-hmm. it's, it's yeah. way more complex. And, and again, people who hate us, hate that we could make money or get paid, um, will steal content or mm-hmm. I've, I've had people tell me before, like, I shouldn't have to tip you. I have a pussy too. One woman told me, whoa. One guy said, (laughs) one guy came into the club and he was there for like three hours. And he was like, and he was watching all of the dancing. And he's like, I'm a gynecologist. I see vaginas all the time. He told multiple dancers this. And I was like, no, he's not. And even if he is, you're not giving me an exam on the stage. Creepy. (laughs) If you see vaginas all day, then why do you need to be here to see more vaginas? Are you seeing them under neon lights with like beautiful, like sinewy movements? No, you're not. Are you listening to music? No, you're not. Do you smell French fries? No, you're not. You're, if you're a fucking gynecologist, I think he was lying or creepy. Either way, creepy. So the entitlement really and the horror phobia shows up in a lot of ways. And that can be Mm -hmm. people hurting us in all different ways and outing us too. Yes. Yes. Well, another question that someone asked, do you ever regret going into sex work? No, never. 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 I think, I think it's easy for people to think and to look at people who do sex work as less than, or as like suffering or as like, they don't want to be doing this or as like that they're forced to, which is I think where people get sex work confused with like sex trafficking um, Mm -hmm. and like being like pimped out. Um, Mm -hmm. But there, there is just a lot of extra bullshit that you have to deal with being in this industry because there is not a lot of protection. There's not a lot of support. There's not a lot of awareness and there's things literally all the time trying to like fuck up your life. Yeah. Bad legislation. Um, false yeah. media. I'm going to quote uh, Romina Rosales. She uh, runs uh, Queens of the Underworld. She's a mindfulness coach and mm-hmm. she's been a 304 aka prostitute. I can say that word. Other people can't. Hooker, hoe, whatever. She, she's like, I sold pussy for 20 years. So now she works with other younger women who are maybe addicted to drugs or in domestic violence situations. Um, you know, abusive family situations, all the stuff. Mm -hmm. Cause she's been there and she says, enjoying sex work is a privilege Mm. because it is. I am very privileged that I, I, I sometimes have fun, pleasurable interactions. Mm -hmm. It's work. You know, like if someone's trying to suck on my neck and I don't want them to be doing that, that's not what we're supposed to be doing. Like it's, I'm not having a good time. You know, if I'm Mm -hmm. wondering if I'm going to have to fight off a six foot four man, who's just immediately choking me really hard, which happened a couple months ago. Like it's not a fun time, but it's not the sex work that's inherently abusive. It's the people who have the attitudes of entitlement that make Mm -hmm. it harmful. So if we can battle horror phobia, stigma, and discrimination, sex work wouldn't be so dangerous. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think there's also a lot of gatekeeping and ways that folks try to punish you for doing the work that you do, as you noted earlier, like not knowing if ASEX would approve you. Like I know some people, they lose housing, they lose their children. other jobs. People lose children. Their children. Taking- people lose custody mm-hmm. of their children because they work in adult and it depends where you live. So this is why, you know, like the personal is political is a saying for some time. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know the origin of that. Do you? Mm-mm. I want to. Mm-mm. We should look it up. Um, yeah. But, you know, if somebody is a webcam worker and their ex-husband or baby daddy or whoever, mom, whoever, grandma, wants custody of the yeah. kid, if they live in a socially conservative area, it is very common, not unheard of, to say to the judge, this person not a fit parent, obviously, because they work in adult mm-hmm. and they'll lose custody. That happens all the time. People get kicked Mm -hmm. out of nursing programs, academic programs because of their former work, even if they're not currently working. So people, you know, demand that we get out of the industry or try to force us out of the industry. But then if we've having had worked in it at all, then we're still deemed punishable by some. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so fucked up. It makes me so angry. That's why we say resources, not rescue. That's what I say. Mm -hmm. I don't say rights, not rescue because... Thank you. Rights can be misinterpreted into legislation. So people will want to like mm. over legislate and create a lot of restrictions about who can do sex work. Mm-hmm. I say resources instead of rescue because we all need more information about where can I yeah. get screened where they're not going to punish me? You know, mm-hmm. where can I work more mm-hmm. safely? How can I get yeah. paid when these online processing payment, payment platforms are booting us all off? Yes. Yeah. Stuff like that. So Let's get into that a little bit here. So you don't have an OnlyFans page. Can you share a little bit about why you don't? Okay. So when OnlyFans got on my radar, I think it was three years ago. I don't remember Mm -hmm. how long it's been around, three or four years. Mm -hmm. Um, And I thought to myself, okay, cool. Another platform. There's a lot. There's a lot already where you can sell clips. There's many vids. There's AVN stars. There's fans only. There's Frisk. A lot of people don't know about these. Um, Mm -hmm. And I said, let's see. Let's see how it goes. I already was on Cam Soda and I was busy with stripping and I was doing my own podcast. So I didn't have the need, but I was watching. Mm -hmm. Do you remember a website called Zivity? Never heard of it. Okay, exactly. I had some published photos on there. It was a modeling website. Mm-hmm. I went to log in one day in 2014, I think it was, and the website didn't exist anymore. And I lost all my photos. Oh, no. So luckily I didn't rely on that, but that was a teachable moment where these platforms are never secure. Mm-hmm. We cannot rely on them. Um, I remember when Tumblr was yeah. pouring all over the place. You probably do too. Yep. Yeah. After Faustin Sesta passed, that changed. We'd have to, that was bad legislation that they said would prevent trafficking sex workers yeah. and online, um, like internet privacy experts. Um, and the Department of Justice said, don't pass FOSTA Sesta. It's going to make trafficking mm-hmm. harder. They passed it anyway because people like to listen to conservatives like Ann Wagner, which we can talk about her and OnlyFans in a little bit too. Um, So Tumblr restricted a lot of its stuff. Patreon, this is something else people are telling me, just make a Patreon. Patreon has not allowed penetration for like four years. Mm -hmm. I had friends Mm -hmm. that were traveling the country and shooting very successfully um, erotica and pornographic stuff. And it was on Patreon and they were making their living that way as artists. And Fossa Sesta happened. Uh, I show nipples on my Patreon and a little bush. Uh, I got flagged for a three-second lens clip of, like, semen on my butt cheek. I was like, let's see. Let's see what they allow. I got flagged, mm-hmm. like, immediately. So Patreon mm-hmm. is not an option for anyone to do yeah. adult stuff. But, okay, I will tell you, when I when the shutdown started happening last spring, March of 2020, all the clubs shut down. That was yeah. my primary income, a lot of people. So I luckily... I've, again, been online for 16 years. I know how unstable things are. I already had a ring light and a webcam. And I thought, well, I have a following. Let's see if I can try selling um, pole dancing clips. And someone mm-hmm. requested a song and I was dancing to it, filming myself to, to edit and send. And it's, is it the Megan Thee Stallion and Beyonce? But Beyonce like mentions OnlyFans. Some- yes, yeah. When I heard that, 
I was like, I'm not making an OnlyFans. It's too mainstream. Shit's going to go down. Yeah. And because that's what happens. Once the big investors find out something is viable, they kick, they invest. And then the platform doesn't need Mm -hmm. the small artists that, that built it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I remember seeing when the shutdown happened and you were doing drive-through. Yeah. I was working at a venue that did a (laughs) drive-through, which was fun and really chaotic, but not super lucrative. Yeah. Yeah. Not. No. Well, so I think for a lot of folks, there's confusion around like, what exactly does this mean for creators on OnlyFans? And for me currently, I don't do anything that is explicit. Mm -hmm. I do, I'd show a little bit of bush. I do things like people want to see me like lick my armpit hair, um, yes. which like I was actually very excited of like, yay, people are like cool with the armpit hair. Yeah, like I, I didn't know. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I didn't know how like people would want me to show up there. Cause I think there's like twofold of like, I want to be authentic, but also how do I best monetize and like give the people what they want. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, was literally last week before it came out was considering maybe I sell my boobies. I was like, mm-hmm. I think I feel like, yeah. Might I was be like, time. You know, <laughs> yeah. I was like, I, ready. I, I feel so passionately about, you know, free the nip, whatever. It's just a nipple. We all have fucking nipples. You know, how, how, how can I just feel free and empowered in this? And I was like, legitimately like at the end of last week was gonna take the plunge. And Bye. <laughs> yep. The the platform is essentially not allowing any explicit content. It'll get removed and if anything is still there after December, October they'll 1st. just delete oh. Yeah, October 1st you can't post anything oh, that's explicit. You're right. You're if right. you still have stuff on your page by December 31st or 1st, um then it will all get deleted. Okay. Um and you know, so I'm wondering, I feel like sex workers are either jumping the bandwagon to find, to go to other platforms or they're like really up in their content and trying to make as much money as they can until October 1st. Like part of me is like, well, do I just go full nips to the wall, not balls to the wall? (laughs) Yeah. Like, I'm like, all right, do I just fucking go for it? Um, but it, I think at least my assumption here is even things that are not explicit, but that are sex related, they're going to flag. So someone wrote to me and they said, I just got my new email today and I looked at the rules or I looked at the new rules. I understand, as I understand, the only thing we're allowed to post is nudes as long as anus nor genitalia are displayed in a way that is quote, extreme or offensive. No intercourse, no masturbation, real or simulated. We can't advertise it or post it. I know I can't continue to make a living off of only nudes. I can't speak for others, but I know that many get most of their success from doing live shows and or selling videos. So yeah. I, I think you, you asked, how did this happen? Like, how did we get here? Why did this happen? Mm-hmm. So in December, I believe a Christian fundamentalist journalist, and I use that word loosely because he publishes mm-hmm. misinformation, Nicholas Kristoff, He's an anti-porn person. He's very well linked mm-hmm. to an organization called Exodus Cry, which is not based in science or research at all. Um, yeah. He published a bunch of misinformation saying that essentially most trafficking um, comes from Pornhub, like most of Pornhub is abuse. For example, when the, what organization was it? Hold on. I know this in like one second. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It all, it all sounds very anti-sex work, very anti-porn. And those things are not inherently sex trafficking and those things are not inherently abusive or harmful. So in the last, last year, uh, Facebook admitted they had nearly 20 million instances of child sexual abuse material on their website. 20 million. Uh, Pornhub and its other company under MindGeek, they had 13,000. So way, 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 way less. 
Why aren't we trying mm-hmm. to shut down Facebook? Because Facebook gets a lot of money from conservative advertisers. Yep. Okay. Yep. So you understand it. So he, yeah, Facebook also helps spread a lot of misinformation that is like, it's been pro Trump for some folks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's been a ton of like white nationalist advertising. Yeah. Um, so he published all this misinformation. People believed it because why wouldn't they? They thought this was a reputable source, the New York Times. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't know anything about trafficking or sex work or the history yeah. of these things. So what it did is MasterCard decided that they are going to create new rules for the, the adult platforms that they work with. Some of the rules yeah. make sense, like we need verification of everyone who shows up in an image or video. Mm-hmm. Okay. So- and, but to, to that only fans is basically saying that that is a lot of resources. That's a lot of time for us to be able to go through and verify that. So, I mean, yes, but that also makes sense. So like when I use my sexting app, um, I think I need to get that. It's fun. Yeah. I'll send you an yeah. affiliate link. Um, yes, please. I will. Um, so when I use my sexting app, I, they have my ID, they have my tax form. Like they know I'm a real adult as much as I can possibly mm-hmm. prove. If I have a client and he's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I'm sucking a dick. And he's like, let me see. If I send a picture with like another person in it, I actually don't think that's allowed because I didn't get a model release or the company doesn't have a model Mm -hmm. release from the other person. So that makes sense to me. Okay. One of the other rules, and this one does not make sense and it's not feasible, is real-time moderation of all live streaming. There is no way that's ever going to happen. Um, I don't remember the bill number, but early last year, I believe there was a bill proposed somewhere in some legislation that all, all upload websites would have to have, um, real time moderators. So think about Reddit. Yeah. There's no way they're going to hire people to moderate every million thing that gets posted. It's not possible. So what will they do? They will ban anything that has potential to possibly be illegal. You cannot tell many times looking at a photo or video, is this person being forced to do this work by their boyfriend, Mm -hmm. by their mom? You don't know. Yeah. I worked a shift, a handful of shifts with a young lady. She was a minor dancer at the time, which means... 18, 19, or 20, so under Mm -hmm. 21, I believe she was 19, her mom would sit in the back of the club the whole shift to make sure she was working. Mm. You know, so exploitation comes up in a lot of ways. It's not what people usually imagine, like someone locked in a cage, you know, yeah, like a circus monkey or something. Um, Yes, those horror stories exist. We read about them every once in a while, but I'm going to say the most exploitation that occurs in people who are working sex is people they're in relationship with, their family, Mm. their boyfriend, Mm -hmm. especially if they start when they're young because they're like a youth runaway. Yeah. Um, So because MasterCard made this the case, it's it's basically like just a game of dominoes now, how many others Mm -hmm. will follow suit. So we are running out of platforms that to the best they kind of can verify adult identity. And this doesn't stop Mm -hmm. people from wanting to see sex or needing money. So it gets pushed underground Mm -hmm. and we lose so much sex positivity. Do you know the rules about Facebook and Facebook, you know, owns Instagram, Facebook, Mm -hmm. Facebook and Instagram says that we cannot talk about sexual pleasure. We can't use slang, but we Mm -hmm. can talk about sexual abuse. So if you create an environment where the only media you're encouraged to spread is negative, what does that do to reinforce people's feelings of what is normal? Yeah, well, and it it detracts from being able to have any kind of actual comprehensive sex education because sexual pleasure is a huge part of sex education and sexual health. Mm -hmm. And this is where, I mean, if I talk about race, I'm either getting harassed or I'm getting reported for just using phrases like white supremacy. If I talk about sex, I'm going to get flagged. I'm going to get harassed. It's going to be all kinds of things where it's like, yeah, these platforms are just increasingly becoming really fucking difficult to actually use in a meaningful way because, I mean, it's like mental health is safe to talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but but even that, people don't actually want to see the realness of how people 
cope with shit Mm -hmm. day to day. So then you still end up dealing with getting harassed and there's been no real protections around that, but protections around make sure you don't talk about orgasms. Mm -hmm. What? Don't use an eggplant emoji when you mean penis because that's actually literally not allowed. Yeah, yeah, it's wild. So it's a really scary time. And even though I don't have an OnlyFans, I've been sharing information about this because again, I believe mm-hmm. in sexuality industries and I know people yeah. are struggling and we need as much help as we can. I went into um, my my other club uh, last Friday and two younger dancers that we don't even regularly talk. They came up to me and they're like, they, I follow, they're like, I follow you on Instagram, which when you meet someone in real life and they tell you that, it's kind of like, oh, <laughs> Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I never would have known that. Um, they're like, I follow you on Instagram. Thank you for posting like actual, like helpful information about what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I thought, fuck yeah, this is why I share it because the reverberations yeah. are immeasurable mm-hmm. on how many people yeah. are going to feel this. And then there's competition to other websites. And something I also mentioned to my online audience was when people can't make media content, they're going to try to make it other ways. So it's in-person work, which can be more dangerous. Yeah. Um, or, you know, 18 or 20 dancers coming to work on a shift that should only have like 10 or 12. So now we're all mm-hmm. competing more with each other. It doesn't mean we have more clients. We don't. So yeah. it drives prices down. Criminalization always hurts people and restriction always hurts people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you think, I know you do some like lobbying type work as well and like trying to push like good legislation and whatnot. How do you think folks like who maybe are listening to this episode can actually help be an advocate for sex workers or, um, which I mean, I think we've already covered a little bit, like don't be a shithead and don't like stigmatize and shame sex work. Um, but anything specific, tangible that you feel people can do to support sex workers in general and maybe with everything happening with OnlyFans. Yeah, I'll name um, I'll name a few things. Um, please don't use whore, hoe, hooker, prostitute, slut as an insult. Like, speak to the behavior of the person that you don't like. Yeah. Um, please don't make sex worker jokes if you're not a sex worker. That would be like me making trans jokes. Like, as I'm not a trans person, mm-hmm. I'm non-binary. I look femme, but I like know my privilege. So stay the fuck out of that shit. Mm-hmm. Um, don't steal content. If you yeah. want to pay for content, please do. You can always share your creator if you can do that safely. I know a lot of people don't like to advertise that they're clients, (laughs) but if you're Mm -hmm. like, oh, this pornographer is like making this art amazing, you know, Um, something very specific in terms of legislation, ask for decriminalization of consensual adult sex work, Mm -hmm. not legalization. Legalization will create restrictions and rules about who can do the work, when and how. So this means maybe if the government, your state or whatever county says, yeah, you can work, but it has to be in a venue. So that means Mm -hmm. the rich venue owners open a couple brothels and charge you like a 60% cut. Okay, whatever. If it's decriminalized, it means you could sell sex out of your own house. You're not going to get arrested. You can go Mm -hmm. to a client's house. You're not going to get arrested. If you are someone without a fixed address, um, like a, a runaway or an immigrant person, you should not be arrestable for selling sex to survive because the state says you require an ID. And then there's folks who are like, well, we can mandate STI screenings and testings. And I say to that, I don't want the government having more power to tell marginalized people when to spread their legs or give their body fluids. If Mm -hmm. it's criminalized, we will show up to protect our sexual health. Yeah. If I know I can go to a Planned Parenthood and I do this, but I live in Portland. Mm -hmm. And again, I have no arrests. I have college degrees and certifications and I'm a fucking white femme boundary pusher in my privilege. Mm -hmm. If I feel like I want to test the waters and be honest when the, when the nurse asks me, Oh, you got screened like six months ago and you're not having symptoms. Like, why are you here? I -hmm. want to be able to say I do sex work Mm -hmm. and her not either jab me extra hard with the needle or like yeah. not tell me what my options are because she wants to punish me. Yeah. We need to like fight that. Or save you. Save me, lecture me. Do you know Christy Mack is? She was a pornographer for some years. That sounds really familiar. Some people will know. Yeah. She uh, commented once and publicly on my Instagram and I feel comfortable sharing this um, because I see how she engages. But she said one time she went for a screening and she just got like a fat lecture. And a lot of pornographers, when they work for these major production companies, they do a full blood panel screening every like 11 days. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. So the incentive yeah. is there. We want to take care of ourselves, but the government and society makes it really, really hard. Yeah. What are your thoughts on, I mean, somewhere like Amsterdam? Um, so I have not worked in Amsterdam. I have a contact who is on the committee that I'm a part of, um, organsexworkers.com, if I may. Mm-hmm. Um, we hosted a human rights commission uh, in July trying to pressure our state representatives to decriminalize. Yeah. She has worked. She has a dual uh, nationality, I be- believe, in the States and in New Zealand. She's worked in Amsterdam, New Zealand, and the States. She likes okay. New Zealand the best. New Zealand has a decriminalization model. Um, she mm-hmm. said it's not perfect. It is. They're working to make it more inclusive for their immigrants, I believe, and other folks. Um, yeah. She said the only time she reported a rape, it was... Um, in New Zealand, and she did go to the police, and she said it was such a, I don't want to misquote her, but what happened, she said, is when she told the cops that she was a sex worker, she said the officer in front of many other officers in the station, he said, it shouldn't matter what you do for work. Nobody deserves that. I was like, oh my God. Yeah, that's so good. (laughs) Like, oh fuck, that's how that should be. You know, so she said she felt so supported because the infrastructure, it's built out that way. They've been decriminalized for over a decade. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely, you know, in terms of resources, there's definitely many more available over there than, than what we have going on here. But, um, Portland, at least from what I've heard, and at least what I think I'm starting to understand is definitely a lot more supportive of sex workers. You're safer to be one here than you are in Florida. I will say that. Yeah. 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 Um, Lots of nuances. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well... I've, I really, I have a thousand more questions and I want to talk about like being a parent while doing sex work and mental health while doing sex work and all of the things. Uh, but I don't want to keep you and I want to respect your time. Um, is there anything on what we've shared today that you feel is super important in terms of a takeaway for listeners, um, and potentially, you know, we could always have you on the podcast again, or people can follow your work and whatnot to learn more about all the other things. Um, but anything specific from today that like you really want people to take away? There's a lot you don't know about sexuality industries. There's a lot I don't know about sexuality industries. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be the expert. If somebody asks you a question and you don't know, say, I don't know, but I'm going to try to find out. And then look to the reputable sources I'm one, you're one, Um, but there's so many organizations that are comprised of sex workers who can tell you what we need. And Mm -hmm. we're all so different, but it's really the same things a lot of people need, healthcare. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Stable, some kind of income, freedom, flexibility. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so just, I would invite people to be open to learning. And if you want to be an ally, please don't make the mistake of thinking that, whatever you believe is the case. Cause there's so much you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I mean, even as I've like taken, you know, my baby steps into it, I'm still like, yeah, there's so many things I don't know. And there's so many, oh gosh, we could talk about this too, of like <laughs> entering the community, but like feeling like maybe it's not where you belong or that like you're not welcomed or like how you even are like valid there's, as a sex worker. Right. Like, and then there's conflicts in communities too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah. definitely. We should it's, do another episode sometime. We can talk about some other five things. Yes, I know, right? <laughs> um, well, can you share with people uh, where they can find you, where they can follow your work, how they can engage with you, how they can support all the wonderful things that you're doing. Thank you so much for letting me share that. I am on stripperwriter.com. That's my website. I use kind of a hub just to repost some things I've done. I'm on Twitter at L Stanger. I'm on Instagram still at stripperwriter. Uh, you can buy my pornography at camsoda.com forward slash stripperwriter. My old podcast is Strange Bedfellows and my new mm-hmm. podcast is They Talk Sex. And we're on okay. Apple, SoundCloud, and Spotify. Amazing. Thank you so much, Taylor. Yeah, thank you for everything. We'll definitely have to have you on again. Thank you. I love that. 
All right, that does it for today's episode. Thank you so much for making it all the way through and keeping your ears, your hearts, and your minds open. It would mean so much to me if you could take a second or two after listening to this episode to leave a review on iTunes and let me know what you're enjoying about the show. I love reading you know, what your favorite episodes are, where you guys listen, um, and definitely feel free to share this with a friend. I mean, part of how we break down the stigmas around these topics is by talking about them, right? And, and sharing them with more people. So definitely share the podcast Um, and again, really wanting to include all of you in this podcast. So if you have questions or you want to share a thought or an experience, please send in a voice memo to ask.letstalkaboutit at gmail.com. And I'm really excited to keep having these conversations and uh, breaking down these stigmas. So thank you all so, so, so much. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week and I'll talk to you next time. Surgeons keep our hearts beating. They do the amazing. Help save lives. And so can you. Your CSL Plasma donation can help create 24 critical life-saving medicines that can give Grandpa the chance for his heart to swell when he meets his new grandson or give a bride the chance for her heart to skip a beat on her wedding day. Every plasma donation helps more than you know. Do the amazing. Help save lives. Donate today at your local CSL Plasma Center and be rewarded for your generosity.